Hello and welcome to episode 173 of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Maybe you're using that video to then turn into a blog post. If you've already gotten all those ideas out, then you're using that as sort of your outline. Go ahead and write that blog post. So there's a lot of interconnectivity when you are creating videos and and you're also a blogger like Ian and I have been for a very long time. Hello, my name's Ian Anson Gray. And in this episode of the Confident Live Marketing Show, we're talking about how you can share your knowledge with video. My special guest today is Liz Jostas. I can't wait to get on with the show. Let's do it right now. Welcome to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Helping you level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of confident live video. Optimize your mindset and communication and increase your confidence in front of the camera. Get confident with the tech and gear. And get confident with the content Content and marketing. marketing. Together, we can go live! Well, hello. Welcome to the show. It's great to be here. It's been, yeah, over a week since uh, last went live. Um, But, you know, that's just the way things go. It's been a a bit of a a mad week. But in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how you can share your knowledge with video. And I've got a special guest today who I can't wait to bring onto the show. It's Liz Justus. And yeah, we've got some great uh, stuff coming up. I'm going to be sharing next time all about PodFest and VidFest that I went to just a couple of weeks ago, sharing some of the stuff that I learned there. Um, but I think it's time to bring in Liz. And just to let you know a little bit more about Liz, we met probably just over 10 years ago. She is an online marketing strategist, speaker, and business owner of Eli Rose Social Media. A former corporate marketer, Liz has owned her own firm since 2011 and is certified in SEO, Facebook ads, and social media management. Originally from Chicago and currently living in the land of Dixie, she relishes in the flavor of fried pickles and barbecue, but longs for deep fish and a proper Chicago dog. Welcome to the show, Liz. Great to have you here. I'm very excited to be here, and now I'm hungry for deep dish pizza. <laughs> I know, I know. All that food. I know. You're going to have to do some translation here, because like a lot of that food is quite foreign to me, um, but I'm always like willing willing to learn. Uh, you know, f- uh, fried pickles and barbecue and deep, yeah, deep dish pizza, I assume you mean. And Chicago yes. dog. Tell, like, can you do some translation for me? Let, let me know well, all about I, this. I didn't know that fried pickles were a thing until we moved to Memphis in June of 03. So it's literally pickle slices, like dill pickle slices that are breaded and deep fried. And you got to have a good dipping sauce. So that's fried pickles. And if someone tries to do it as spears, it's just not as good. <laughs> So Chicago dogs are hot dogs, but what makes them Chicago is this very specific list of uh, toppings that go on top of the Chicago dog. So that's what makes them Chicago. And Chicago has both kinds of pizza, but uh, people like to, non-Chicagoans like to joke about the deep dish pizza because it's a very thick crust and the cheese and like, say, if you're going to have sausage and mushrooms in it, it's below the sauce so it's the sauce is on top and then it's the cheese with all the fixins and then you have the crust around it so it's kind of a upside down kind of version of your traditional pizza so sounds amazing 
Sounds it amazing. Is. And you need a fork and knife to eat it. I have to say that yeah, too. Definitely. So you're not picking up a slice like, like you do regular thin crust pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do like my thin, I do like thin crust, but I, you know, sometimes you have to like try different things and yeah, I need to go to Chicago. So yes. thank you, Liz, for being on the show. We've got a problem, unfortunately, technical problem with comments. So I don't know if anyone is watching, if you could leave a comment, let me know uh, because for some reason in ECAM, it says there was an error loading comments, which is not very helpful. And I've just logged on to Restream and it's saying it is waiting for messages. So I don't know. Um, I will try. Maybe tr- comment with your favorite pizza topping. Maybe that would yeah. be a good oh, thing. Oh, here we that go. Yeah, it's, wor- it's, it's working now. It's working now. Okay. We've, we've got Katie here. <laughs> Thank you, Katie. You've saved the day. Um, and uh, saying I'm here. Great. Great. To see- what, yeah, what kind of pizza do you like, Katie? Are you into pizza? I don't know. What is your favorite pizza, Liz, then? What toppings? Um, toppings. Well, I, I, I like veggies, but I always like to have one kind of meat. So I would do like sausage with onions, mushrooms, uh, green pepper, maybe throw in some garlic and green olives. So That sounds very, very nice. He's right. We need to move on from food because yes, I'm starting to get I'm sorry, yeah. getting hungry. <laughs> You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. I think we should get on with the main topic of today but like we we met through through the power of content and I I, I remember this very clearly actually Liz I don't know if you know this but I think it was back in like 2011 2012 and this is not long after you launched your business and I launched my well I say I launched my business in 2011 it wasn't really a business it was just I just started blogging for fun and I think it, I can't remember exactly, but you commented, or we we had a like we had an, ex, an exchange on on social media, on on sorry on our blogs, and that's how we kind of got to know each other. Um, so yeah, how did you get started with blogging? Can you can you remember how things started and um, what things were like at the time with the whole world of blogging? Because it was amazing back then. It really was. And actually how I got started blogging was before I started blogging for my business. Uh, We've relocated a lot and we live hundreds of miles from all of our families. So I started blogging personally and that's how I learned about WordPress, started teaching myself SEO, started using like the business forms of the social media accounts that were around then. Cause you know, you and I both predate a lot of the stuff, (laughs) a lot of the platforms that are out there right now. So that's how I first started blogging. So, So when um, the business started, 
uh, I was actually uh, approached by some people who I know in real life um, because I have that marketing background and I worked in corporate marketing who started asking me questions to help them with their small businesses in their online marketing. So um, one woman actually said to me one day, hey, you know, you know a lot about this stuff. You, you should charge and um, help other small business owners. So that's actually what launched everything. So knowing, um, having already been blogging for a few years personally, but also having understood, you know, WordPress and the importance of having a website and also like the important SEO principles, uh, definitely knew from the beginning that blogging needed to be part of something that was ongoing from a marketing perspective. Um, there's lots of benefits to blogging and I won't, there's a whole bunch of benefits from an SEO perspective and I, and I won't, um, you know, veer in that direction too much, but any kind of business really needs to be creating some kind of original content. So blogging obviously isn't that written form, but blogging um, is a way for you to share your expertise and your knowledge so people can see that you know what you're talking about and that you're going to be helpful. They can understand maybe how you would teach or explain something to them, how you approach things. So um, blogging is a great way to showcase all of your awesomeness. And um, yeah, when, when you and I first connected, there might have even been like some kind of... Um, link back to each other's blog posts and you get that ping back. And that's how we started uh, connecting way back, you know, a decade or so ago. So uh, that's how I got started blogging and how I knew that it was going to be something that uh, was going to be essential to growing my my business. You're so right. I think that's what it was. It was one of those pingbacks. And I thought, mm -hmm. oh, wow, somebody's linked to my blog. What's going on here? <laughs> and, then I, and then I checked you out. And I think I then uh, commented on yours. yours and and mm -hmm. that was really exciting. And this, I mean, social media was kind of around then, but it was in its early stages. And, and in a way, Very blogs... Early. Blogs were the blogosphere. That's an old word. I, I used the word yes. <laughs> and remember was, Blogspot on Blogger? Yeah. You could have that free Google blog that used the Blogger tool. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I'm getting all nostalgic now. Yeah, I need yeah. some nostalgic music. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's how we, you know, people got to know each other and then meeting at, at conferences and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it was awesome. So uh, I, I think there's definite power in in blogging. I'd love to know from you watching or listening do you do you invest in your blog? Do you do you have a blog? Do you have a website? Uh, is it WordPress? We're not going to get any into kind of any technical stuff today about what the type of website. I always get very excited by WordPress because that's how I kind of started. And the co-founder, one of the co-founders of WordPress, I've mentioned on the show before, is lives just down the road from me, uh, which is oh, really how cool. cool. So yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Rhoda Blackwell is in the house. Great to see yes. you, Rhoda. That's watching. my friend. Hey, Rhoda. <laughs> All your friends are here. It's great. And uh, Katie is uh, saying, Katie Simpson saying, I need to publish my blog articles. They are sitting in my drafts folder. Oh dear. Well, maybe Liz, you've got some uh, thoughts on this. I've got overwhelm about making them look attractive. Now, can I just say, uh, before I kind of ask you about this, Katie, uh, Liz, that <clears throat> I had this issue with my blog uh, that I procrastinated and had overwhelmed for, for actually quite a few years before I launched my blog in 2011. And I just, in the end, I just went with a default theme on, on WordPress and just like forgot about the way it looked and just did it. And it, it was really successful. Well, you know, it, it, as successful as it could be for an initial blog. Um, 
So have you got any advice, Liz, for Katie with the, the overwhelm about making them look attractive? How important is the way they look? You know, first of all, done is better than perfect. <laughs> and another thing to keep in mind is we all are much more critical of our own stuff, whether it's if you are making videos or the blog posts that you're writing or how something looks and anyone else is is going to be viewing it or judging it. So, um, you know, sometimes we can be our own worst enemies. So know too that publishing a blog post you can always go back and edit it and update it. I've done it for years. I've done it for clients too. So just because it's published and out doesn't mean that it's something that can't be changed going forward. And even if you do play around with like the format of your blog post, what that template is, or if you end up changing, if you are in like WordPress and you change themes, all that stuff is transferable. So nothing is set in stone, but getting getting those things published and out there, having those new links published on your site that you can then share on social or share in your email newsletters or start demonstrating you know, your knowledge and expertise, just go ahead and start publishing them. And I'm not sure how many drafts you have, but if you have a bunch of them, I would actually schedule them for future publishing so you don't just like dump out 10 blog posts at once you know go ahead and schedule them like one week apart or two weeks apart or something so they can start publishing out in a nice schedule and you don't have this big dump of blog posts and then a long time before anything new publishes that's that's a great tip and i think that's really for any kind of content whether it's like mm -hmm. i've seen some people publish their podcast and like 10 episodes have been dumped in one go <laughs> and you might want people to binge on a few but like not like 10 plus so i think that's mm -hmm. great advice um katie is using kajabi doesn't really matter what, what you use kajabi is a great a great platform um so but just get 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 it get one published I want to see one published, Katie, by this weekend. <laughs> a bit of accountability for you. But so, yeah. I, so I think like um, we we talked about the the power of uh, blog posts and the fact that even today I still think they they can uh, create that authority. They're great for SEO. But a lot of people are saying that you know this was we we met back in 2011. We we started blogging. I know you blog started blogging before that, but a lot of things have changed. And we mm -hmm. keep on hearing, we'll, we'll talk about video in a bit, but we keep on saying that video is, that's what we should be doing. Blogs are dead. I think certainly blogs have changed. I, I find it a little bit depressing that I don't really get very many comments anymore. And the kind of comments that I get are either very low quality or they're spammy. So things have changed. But do you think that blogging is or blogs are dead. I, I assume you think not, but I'd love to know what you, your view on this is. Oh, not at all. Um, and as we'll talk more, there's a lot of uh, sort of overlap, how you can use video and blogs together. But uh, blogging, and again, don't want to go too far down the SEO rabbit hole, but I like to say that, you know, if you really want to rank organically and have people find you for the kinds of things that you offer, whether they're products or services, that's how you do it through blogs because you only have so many pages on your regular static website. But I like to say that uh, think of each blog post published as like a new fishing line tossed in the sea of Google. So the more fishing lines you have in the sea, the more fish you catch. And I'll give you one example. I have a client who uh, I've been blogging a couple times a month for since late 2016. And uh, separately, I, I don't manage this, but um, 
he has had Google ad campaigns running pretty aggressively for um, at least a few years now. Uh, he spends 30 grand a month on those Google ads and uh, looking at the analytics, he actually gets more organic traffic from those blog posts and the SEO <laughs> and conversions than he gets from the 30K a month Google ad spend. So how are you going to do that if you're not blogging, you know, because each blog post is a new chance to talk about one specific question, one specific search phrase. Think about every time someone sits down into Google, like what phrase or sentence are they typing into Google? You can address all those, you know, those questions with your blog posts, things that if, if you've thought about blogging and you're not sure where to start, Every single business, it does not matter what industry, every single business has at least 10 or 15 questions that they always get asked. So think about what people ask you when they give you a call, send you an email, walk into your store, you know, whatever the case may be. That's really where you can start. So if you think about those topics that are all relevant and complementary to the businesses, I'm sorry, the products that you sell or the services that you offer, that's really where you can start with those topics uh, for blog posts or videos <laughs> or both really that that's where that's a good place to start for any kind of content that you're going to create yeah so important and we will come on to videos very shortly but i i think blogs are so important even today and and yes things have changed i mean i but i agree with you liz the power of blogs is not gone away and i find that the majority of the traffic on my website are still on my traditional blogs. Mm -hmm. It's right. not with the podcast blogs um, so much, although some are very high traffic, but it's some of the, the blogs that I spent a lot of time on. And this this is what I want to come on to, Liz, because, uh, well, actually, before we do that, I just want to, I've got some comments here, and then I will bring you on to uh, talk about that. But uh, Katie just says, thank you, great advice. That's really helpful with Overwhelm. Hearing I can edit it afterwards if I want. And it's such a simple thing. We forget that. We, you know, it's not, it's not published and then that's it. It's, you can edit it. And it's I've not got set in stone. <laughs> it's not set in stone. In fact, I've, I've, I've actually like edited and I've rewritten blog posts. There's updated my, the image that's in yeah. it. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do. So after much fact. you can do. Uh, this is great from Chris. Thank you, Chris, uh, watching on Facebook. I lead digital marketing at a large multi-state health system called Banner Health. Our blog is essential to our customer acquisition strategy, which is amazing to hear. We use it as an extension of our brand voice. We replatformed it in late 2019 and have nearly 1 million ranking keywords and an average about 35 articles a month this year. That is amazing. Awesome. And Katie is saying, ah, okay, challenge accepted. I'll be checking <laughs> up on you, Katie. Yes, uh, I need joking. to hear about it too. Yes. <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Thank you, Katie. Uh, yeah. So I think, so this is what I want to come on to next. Blogging, well, creating content is hard. Let's, let's, let's face the facts. Creating blogs, really good quality blogs that resonate and are good for SEO is hard work. And if I look back at the, the big articles that I've written, I have spent probably weeks and weeks and weeks of uh, content, of planning and creating it as well. And it's a lot of hard work. Is there an easier way to create that content? We're going to come on to, to video in a bit, but just before we do that, any, any kind of advice for us creating blogs that really resonate are really powerful. How, how do we do that without getting overwhelmed and stressed like uh, Katie was talking about? 
Well, I think for you specifically, you need a little asterisk next to you being a blogger because you write mega posts and most people do not write mega posts. <laughs> so when you say that, you know, you spend weeks and weeks and weeks, I don't know what your average like word count is, but you write almost like guides as, as a blog post. So I want people to understand that your typical blog post does not need to be like an Ian blog post. He Ian's like in his own special category <laughs> with that. So um, you can, and People will debate what the right number of words is um, because some people say you have to have 2,000 or 3,000 words um, because they, they want to talk about what's going to help you rank the most. But in reality, how many people really want to read 2,000 or 3,000 words in a single blog post? So uh Slightly coy, but very true answer is you need to uh, answer whatever the question is that you were being asked. So sure, if you have 200 or 300 words, that's going to be really light and not super useful. Um, but like I said, there isn't necessarily a magic number. Um, it could be 500 to 1000 words maybe is a more reasonable number that people tend to fall where you have a proper introduction, proper body and proper conclusion to whatever your blog post is that you you are, um, you know, that you're, that you're publishing. Uh, of course, it's going to vary de um, depending on the topic. Um, and everybody has their own writing style. Um, you know, some people want to write an outline first and then build out from there. Some people feel like I have to start with the introduction and write from there. Um, you know, one thing is if you get some ideas for a blog post, you can go ahead and start a draft and save that draft. And maybe you're just starting with three or four bullet points and you're going to build out those bullet points and then you're going to go back and do your introduction and your conclusion. Um, you know, stick that image in at the end, all that interlinking, all that good blog stuff that you have to do um, to be, uh, you know, just to make it be a proper blog post. Um, I have, uh, I know we're not quite getting to video yet, but I have a client who excels in video. And so we've actually taken his video and then made it into a blog post. So hearing what he's saying, we can gather his thoughts and then put it in sort of a written form. So it's not like a transcription. It's like he gives his thoughts and his ideas and he explains things the way he wants to. And then we take that and put it in in a written form. So some of it is going to be your work style and just kind of how your brain works, how your creativity works. Maybe you feel like you're really good at writing in the morning. So if you are going to work on writing a blog post when your brain is fresh, that's good. Sometimes people like to write in the evening. So some of it is going to be figuring out like what's the best fit for you because that also helps um, cut down on the overwhelm. So just don't feel like you have to write it from top to bottom, first word to last word, all in one sitting. You know, you can work on it in stages or pieces. You can work on it from drafts and bullet points. Um, you can dump out your ideas on paper or via video and then make it into, um, you know, a blog later. There's lots of ways to approach it. Such great advice. I'm so glad I've, I had got you on the show, Liz, because uh, you can start, you don't have to start with written word, like you can start with video, you can even start with like just recording. I've done that sometimes just with audio. Yes. Just get in front of your mic and record some thoughts and then use a tool like mm -hmm. Descript, uh, convert it into get a transcript or whatever, and then 
you can then turn it into a blog post. And, and I, I don't use it, hmm. but I believe there's actually a free tool within Google, like, you know, part yes. of the Google sort of drive suite where you can yeah. actually just hit record and start talking. So it's not even like people need a paid tool to do something like that. That's a good tip. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot I forgot about that because I used to script all the time. I forget about all these free tools. Mm -hmm. And you're right, in Google Docs, there's a, there's a uh, transcription tool uh, or dictation tool. And I think Mac, yeah. both, both Macs and PCs, they have dictation tools built into it. So like, just check it out. Uh, and I also, also also feel this is like a bit of a therapy session, Liz, because like, I, I, I feel- <laughs> Let like it all my, out, Ian. Let yeah, it all out. <laughs> I feel like with my with my blogs, yeah, this is my this has been my problem. I, I In my head, I feel that blog posts need to be really big and meaty and like, I mean, my blog posts are like a short blog post for me. It's probably 6,000 words and they yeah, go up to like 12,000. And I, those, I have to say for me, those have been the most like successful, the most powerful and the ones that have had the, uh, you know, the, the longevity. But that's not to say that all of the blog posts need to be like that. In fact, for most people, I think what you're saying, Liz, you should be creating more frequent, shorter blog posts that are answering a question. Now, I want to ask you about answering questions in a minute, but just to say, Micah Flemons is in the house watching on YouTube. Great to see you, Micah. It's always lovely to see you. Uh, Katie is saying, very kind of you to say, Ian blogs, Ian's blogs are amazing. And <laughs> Leona watching and uh, on LinkedIn is asking a question. Is it better to publish on your website or a blogging site or both? What's the best place to publish? So this is a really important question, especially depending on um, like, you know, if, if you're using some outside firm to sort of manage your website, I'm, I'm running into this with a client right now. You want your blog to be on your website, but part of your main domain, not a subdomain. So not blog.yoururl.com. You want it to be yoururl.com forward slash you know, whatever the blog post is. So it's not, you're missing out on a lot of the, the goodness that um, blogging brings to you, even things like strengthening your domain and your domain authority with Google. Um, you, you want people on your website since your website is where they'll do business with you. So if you have your blog somewhere else, they're not on your website they're on your your blog site so um you really it's like you have two different um websites that you're maintaining if uh your blog isn't incorporated um on your website and as part of your url um i know a lot of times people will ask that second part of your question um like specifically about linkedin because people will write blogs and they'll say they want to use like the linkedin linkedin blog publisher tool um if, if you're a very prolific writer, you could potentially like alternate that maybe you write one week on your own site, then one week for uh, like LinkedIn, or um, if you want to also put the same content on LinkedIn, make sure you've published it on your website at least a couple weeks ahead of time because uh, you don't want to run into a duplicate content issue with Google. So as of right now, the general consensus is if you have, you know, two or three weeks ahead of time you've published on your website, then you could copy and paste that and put it in like LinkedIn Publisher. Or you could always play it safe and do an introduction, include your image, and then direct people back 
to uh, your website. But really, if, if you're creating content, you want the, the bulk of that content, the focus of that content to be helping you and benefiting you by publishing it on your own business blog. Great. Great stuff. Thank you. Uh, we've got somebody on Facebook saying your blogs are epic. And they're, they're certainly long. They're, they're long. I'll give you that. And I think one thing that you've inspired me today, Liz, is to create shorter content. One th uh, kind of craze I've seen on, on Twitter is this idea of atomic essays, I think they're called, which is creating um, blog posts in a way that can fit into like an image that you can post on Twitter. And so they're very short. And, and I think this is something that I want to try and do is to to learn the craft of short, uh, short uh, blog posts. Because the thing with that is you can then bring together three or four to, to, to create a, a longer blog post. So you could create a listicle, say like four reasons why mm -hmm. to do this. And um, so I, I would love to know the, the next question I want to ask you, Liz, is like, how do we come up with content? You know, we, we want to answer questions of our ideal customer. I mean, that, that's one of the things that we probably want to do. We want to build our authority. We want to help people. How do we come up with those ideas? We could obviously ask people, but um, yeah, give us some thoughts on that. Well, another thing outside of, you know, like I, I was saying, like those frequently asked questions are a great place to start. Um, one thing that any kind of business owner or creator tends to forget is that stuff might seem really obvious to us but it's because it's what we live and breathe every single day. But, you know, we don't have to be, have somebody very far removed from us where, you know, they think that we're like geniuses because they don't even have that 101 level foundational understanding of things. Um, and when you do create content, um, I'll say this more specifically about blogging, but it's generally a good approach if you're creating any kind of series, like even if you're going to do like a video series. One part of blogging is that when you publish new posts, you also can link to older posts or pages on your website. So it's always a good idea that you have sort of those foundational topics covered that maybe you're, you're explaining the basis for something. Like if you want to think of it as like the 101 level of understanding, um, because then when you're getting into more involved pieces of content, whether they're blog posts or videos or whatever, you can refer back or link back to that 101 level blog post where you um, explain those basic concepts. And that also helps too, because that way you don't have to spend this huge chunk of time on those like um, intermediate or expert level blog posts explaining, you know, that basic concept, you can just link back to it. So um, if you, um, any kind of, this really, even if you're approaching kind of content from a, a, you know, what kinds of things are your social posts going to be about, you probably have some general categories for your business. So like for me, if I'm, you know, cause I, I do social media stuff. I also do paid ads, which rolls into social media, but it is kind of its own category. I do SEO, you know, so for example, those would be three different categories of uh, topics to potentially write about. So I would kind of think about whatever your business is, think about those main like services or product categories um, and kind of help break down um, 
you know, your content from there and build from there. So, so think of those main buckets of, of categories. And then I would say like identify what those are and then think of like, how can I even explain this at, at, at a basic level? And then you can sort of shoot off to more specific topics, you know, after that. So um, I don't know. Does that does that answer the question without getting too does. granular? Yeah, I, <laughs> I think you can you, really go deep with with the planning of your of your content well, topic. So <laughs> absolutely, we could we could do a whole session on on this, a right, whole, whole right. show on this. But uh, yeah, you said two, two, well, like, lots of things there that I want to kind of pick up on. The, the The first thing is so so true, and that is we know you know on our on our on our particular area of expertise, we obviously know a lot, and sometimes we can feel that. Well, I can't possibly talk about that. It's that's too easy. Right. Everyone knows it's about that. It's too basic. It's too right. basic, and we forget how much we know. Sometimes I think we need to mm-hmm. re- be reminded of that. So, like, ask ask people, ask your target audience, like, what do you want to know about? And you might be really surprised. Like, it's actually really basic. I have this problem. I, I, I and also, like, I love the kind of super technical stuff, and I forget that not everyone is necessarily going to be like wanting that. So so I think that's that's important and I also love the idea of breaking it down into those categories and and like WordPress has this this um if I'm going to use a posh word now taxonomy it's called it, categories of different <laughs> so you can have these you like different not themes. to get too technical yeah I know right, I know right, like yeah. oh just shoot me now uh but yeah I, and with the with this this show, we're going to move on to video content now. I have three themes, so we we talk about either uh, the tech and the gear, we talk about the confidence and, and mindset, or the content mm-hmm. and marketing. And right. today we're talking more about the content and marketing. That's that's the theme. So let's move on and talk about videos. We, we've said that blogs are certainly not dead; they may have changed, but why should we also be adopting? video you're clearly like in the world of uh, blogs and seo but i do know that you do embrace video liz as well so why should we uh, also be thinking about video well there's one element of just sort of like consumer trends that we need to be aware of um just like kind of like we're podcasting now because podcasting is you know a big growing field right so um Social, you know, because again, we're the OGs in this space. Uh, we've seen just about every platform except video as some format, as one of their media formats, you know. I mean, it hasn't even been that long ago when LinkedIn finally allowed video, well, even just pre recorded, uploaded video, right? I mean, you can put videos on Pinterest. Um, YouTube is the second biggest search engine and, and owned by Google, which I know I'm not trying to get too back into the SEO, but that all is, is a big thing thing. I mean, videos from YouTube show up in Google search results. So um, video is increasing in all the places that you can find it. And it is one way that people like to consume content. And if we are creating, um, you know, like not everybody's going to be a reader, just like not everybody's going to listen to podcasts slash audiobooks, but not everybody's going to watch videos. But different people like different things. So um, because uh, video is just so widely accepted now, it's really good because if you are taking the time to record a video, there are so many uses for it. So it's not like you're putting in all this effort to do it and you're just gonna use it in like a single social post on one platform. You know, there's so many ways to repurpose one single video now. So you get so much bang for your buck. 
Definitely. And like this video is a case in point because from this, I'll be creating little video snippets and it's a podcast, it's video as well. And of course, you know, we could talk about the whole like impact and authority that we get through video. The fact that like on a blog, on a blog, um, we don't really get to know the person as right. much as we do on video. We, we can maybe get a bit of the personality, but like on this, um, on this video now, you're getting to, to, to know the real, well, maybe getting to, to, towards knowing the real Ian and the real Liz. Um, I mean, we know I, you're a crazy bloke or whatever you called exactly, yourself. At the meeting. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. What, so how about live video is like, is, I mean, how much do you invest in live video? Is this something that you've thought about and why do you think, uh, we should or should not be thinking about live video? So uh, I think live video definitely has its place. I think for this, I um, and and since obviously we're talking to people too that um, you know there's a lot of hesitancy because uh, I guess that that's the confident part, right? Of your confident live, there's a lot of hesitancy um, to get in front of the camera. So just working with clients over the years too, it's like if I can get them to do video, that's a huge step. So it's like if if they could at least get comfortable with pre-recorded video, then maybe go up and, and, and scale that up to live. Um, of course, if you're doing, if you're at some kind of event or, or you're doing something that's in the moment, that's very timely, it, it's naturally going to be live. You know, if you're going to go live on Instagram or live on Facebook, that maybe you need to show something that's, that's very timely that's happening. You know, people, what I find in general are more comfortable with lives if they don't have to be in it. <laughs> um, but there's diff there's all kinds of ways that even businesses can like take live video, but it's not necessarily a person in front of the camera. So um, live video is, um, there's definitely a place for it. And I think it's great. And, um, you know, like when you have a live show like this, you know that you're talking about whatever those matters are in hand in, in that very moment. But if people are sitting here and they're thinking, I don't even know that I can get in front of a camera, then I would say, we'll just start with pre-recorded because a lot of times I find people feel like, you know, if they want to record something three or four times before they feel like, okay, well, version four is like good enough to post. You know, I don't want people to, to be deterred from doing video in general, you know, because they feel it has to be live. So yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think we're, we're all different. Uh, and we all have different experiences. I've mentioned this many times on the show before. In, in, I think I would have described myself as the reluctant live video guy, because it, it was very scary for me. But the reason why I still adopt live video, or one of the big reasons for me, yes, I love, I love the community aspects of it. I love um, the spontaneity sometimes of these shows, which mm -hmm. we wouldn't get on like pre-recorded video. And the fact that what you're seeing now is unedited and raw. And I'm sometimes <laughs> I stumble over my words and I say silly things, which we'd want to cut out. And, and actually there's a lot of value in that. The, the big reason for me is as a recovering perfectionist, I get my content done if it is live. Because I knew at 4 p.m. my time today, I was going to go live and I had a guest, Liz, coming on the show. Mm -hmm. I can't like I can't get out of this. It's 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 scheduled everywhere. I have to do right. it and at the end of it, that's like an hour of my time, just a little bit over an hour of my time. I've created this content that I can then turn into all these other places. Mm -hmm. But it is it is hard that initial stage. One thing that I think 
I'm not going to use the word, but over the last couple of years have been challenging for many of us. I think it has like pushed us towards video a little bit more. And I think people are have become a little bit more confident in front of the camera. And so I'm, I'm hoping that has allowed people to embrace more about live video and video in general. And that's what this show is all about. So Liz, I'd yeah. love to know a little bit more about your process. We've talked about uh, starting with blogs. Uh, we've maybe haven't talked so much about then turning them into video. Um, but let's talk about how we can like start with blogs, turn them into video, how we can start with, say, live video or video and then turn that into blogs or put our... Uh, how, how can we use all of this different type of content? I'd love to know a little bit about what you do in, in, in your website and also how you help your clients as well. Yeah. So I've done plenty of live videos as well as pre-recorded. So I have no problem, you know, getting up in front of a camera that does not stress me out at all. So I'm still like two thumbs up for live video. So um, I think there's a few ways to approach it. And some of it is going to be a factor of maybe what's um, potentially good for your style, but sometimes it's even like a time management thing. I think Ian brought up great points when he said like when you're doing live and you set it up and you scheduled it, it holds you accountable and you have to get it done. Um, for me, regardless if it's live or, or I record a bunch of videos at once, because I've just natively been a blogger for so many years, um, and I think this is probably a good just tip in general, because I think that when anyone's talking about creating content, whether it's podcasts, videos, photos, even, or blogs, you tend to think like, okay, I need to do one more thing, but it's not like the stuff you're talking about, just to say it very generally, needs to be all different and all brand new. You know, you can be putting out that same information, sharing that same expertise, sharing those same tips, just in a different format. So if you're like me and you have, you know, 11 years of blogging, you don't need to recreate the wheel. You can use that blog post information to create a video for each blog post. Um, and so, for me, what I usually do is like I'll review a blog post because, again, I wrote it so I know the information just like how you all would do. You know, we, we live and breathe this stuff, right? Regardless of what your industry is, you, you don't really need to study up on it. So what, for, what I'll do is review the blog post and I just get a little piece of paper and I write like a few bullet points just as prompts so that I don't forget something, you know, halfway through, or if it's some kind of blog post where you want to, you're saying like there's, you know, four tips to do something or five reasons why, you know, you don't want to be halfway through your live video and you're like, what, what was number four? I can't remember. So I just write those little prompts, those little notes to myself before I record a video, whether it's live or not. So for you, it might be some Something different, you might want to write some a little bit more detail. Um, I would say, I would discourage don't read your blog post or don't feel you have to write a script. It's much more natural if you're just talking. Like people can tell if you're reading like a word for word thing. So um, so don't worry about doing that. I mean, you know your stuff. You know, this is your business, <laughs> this is your baby. You are the expert. So don't feel like you have to have a full script. So for me, I would revisit blog posts and make those little notes and record. Um, I've done it where I've gone live and then immediately after going live, because I already am all set up, I'll record more videos. So it could also be like a workflow thing. Um, for me, normally, I don't 
blow dry my hair and put on makeup. So if I'm doing it, I'm getting some videos out of it. I mean, I'm just being honest. So it might even be that you batch create um, and batch creation is good for any kind of workflow. If you're making graphics, if you're taking pictures, you know, batch creation is awesome. So um, if you are like in the groove or you set up your little recording studio, or you know you have like the dog, like I do right now, quietly away somewhere else in the house so you're not interrupted with barks. Um, you know, if, if you can set aside a time, it might be best that you can record three or four or five videos at once, and then kind of do what we said earlier, where you are scheduling those for future publishing. I mean, I know YouTube will let you schedule even for, you can upload them, get it all optimized, your description, set in your playlist, all that stuff, um, just like how Facebook does or Instagram, if you wanna upload a, a video that you've already recorded, you can schedule it for future publishing. So, um, so for me, I usually do, um, the video version of the blog post. So then if you do have it, for example, on YouTube, you can um, reference your blog post in the description to send people back to your site. You can also embed that video and you can do the same thing with the Facebook video. You can embed a Facebook video too over on your blog post. Um, when you when you have the blog post to the YouTube thing, that's a good uh, SEO kind of roundabout um, connection there because Google likes that. Um, but it could be that you know somebody finds your blog post, but they prefer to watch it, you know, or they find you on. Um, YouTube, which obviously if you're in YouTube, you're there to watch videos, but they might want to check out more um, and by going out to, over to your business website, to your blog. So um, so you can um, so like say if you've just done a bunch of videos, maybe you're using that video to then turn into a blog post, um, not necessarily a transcription. But um, if you've already gotten all those ideas out, then you're using that as sort of your your outline, kind of like what we talked about earlier to then go ahead and write that blog post. So there's a lot of like interconnectivity when you are creating videos um, and, and you're also a blogger like, uh, you know, Ian and I have been for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I love that. And it's interesting. We've talked a lot on the show about starting with video and then turning that into a blog post. But like, as Katie is saying here, she's saying that's so interesting, starting with the blog and then taking that into a live video or, or video uh, rather than mm -hmm. the other way around. And she says, yes, get ready and then do tons of videos at once. And, and actually, that's one thing that you can't do with live video is you can't right. really batch it. I mean, well, you could, but I mean, you'd be a complete nutcase to do so. So your best, like, I'd, you could turn a live video into lots of snippets or into lots of blog posts potentially. Yes. But mm -hmm. we're talking here about starting with a blog, uh, turning that into a video. And then I love the idea of that embedding it back in and then linking. Really important. This is one thing that I sometimes forget to do is link back on the, on the YouTube video itself in the description, link back to your blog post because hopefully you'll get some traffic that way. And actually, if you look at your Google Analytics, you if you have Google Analytics, you can see... Uh, the, the, where's the traffic coming from? And actually, quite a lot of my traffic does come from YouTube, which is really interesting. So um, we're, all, we're, we're getting towards the end of the show. Uh, we, we could spend a whole uh, episode on the, the, the next question I'm going to ask you, Liz. So, okay, um, I'm bracing myself. <laughs> but this is the whole area of promotion. So we've created our blog. We've put our video on there and we've published it to the world. 
and we get like nothing, particularly if we've just started on our blog. And you could say this with 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 anything. It's the same with live video. It's the same with podcast. It can be. It can take time. And if I look back, uh, the first probably three or four blog posts that I created, it was nothing. And then they've. I think like the fourth or fifth one that I did. There was nothing for probably a few months and then it started to build up and it then went completely mad. And I actually look back and I think, what did I do? I don't know that I know what I did, but I think now nowadays, knowing we, you know, we've been in this business for, for a long time, uh, we've come up with some more kind of strategic ways of promoting our our blog posts and uh, and our videos as well. So I'd love to know from you, Liz, what, what is it that you do and what is it that you recommend that your clients do to get their content out to the world? Well, I think one thing that's just a good thought in general, because um, it really is about the long game, right? Like if you're publishing a blog post, you want that link to be useful for a long time to come. And, you know, people have videos on their YouTube channels that get views, just like how you mentioned the blog post. Same with me. Like I can have a blog post that was written in 2015 that I'm still getting great traffic on. So one thing with if, if you're going to kind of go through the trouble, right, of, um, you know, making a video or writing a blog post, the more evergreen the nature of the content is, that's going to help a lot too. So if you are blogging about some kind of like event in town or a promotion you're doing or a contest you're running or a sale or doing videos about something that's like the specific event, essentially, no one's going to be looking for that later on. So, um, you know, you can have written a blog post years ago or published a video years ago that if it's something that people are still searching Google for or whatever their search engine, or they're actually on YouTube and they're looking for that topic, they can still find that. So um, one big thing is what it is that you are making that piece of content about because that's going to really influence things. Um, I would say too, you know, once you've created something, it's not like you can only share it once or post it once, whether it's the the blog post or the video. And by that, I mean like sharing it on your social channels. So if you've shared a video once, it's not like you can't again, you know, keep publishing that in the future, not obviously next week, but you know, depending on how frequently you publish, it could be something that after six months or nine months, you feel like you can go ahead and share again. Same thing for the blog posts. So, so if you're putting, you know, creating this quality content and it's pretty evergreen, meaning it's pretty timeless, it, it's, it spans the years. Um, don't think that just because you shared it to Facebook once or LinkedIn once or shared a link in your email newsletter once that it's a one and done thing. Understand that you can keep um keep reposting that. And obviously the better you optimize something for search, whether it's, you know, YouTube platform search um, or your individual blog posts for Google search, um, that the more optimization that you learn about how to implement that on your site, that really increases um, people finding it on, you know, whatever platform it is that that's shared on. Definitely. We could, again, do a whole show on <laughs> SEO. Uh, I think I, I think that the, the work really is right at the start when you create the the title and the, the blog post itself. Is it something that people are really interested in? Is it a question that people really need answered that you're answering? Are you doing it in a 
in a way that other people aren't? Are you doing it in a more helpful way that helps you stand out? It's all those things I think are really important. But yeah, do, share it out as well. Do you think that it's still that, you know, how we we kind of, we met was through through linking. So you you linked to my website. I think I linked to a few of your websites. Do you think that's still important? I, I assume it is because the number, the sheer number of emails I get every single day from People, random people say, oh, I, I noticed you wrote this blog post about blah, 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 blah. Uh, we've written a post about this. Would you mind linking to it? <laughs> and it really annoys me because I think it, it's it's down to the power of relationships. You know, we got to know yeah. each other. And then I was much more likely to link to your blogs because I knew you and I really respected you and, your com- and I thought your content was amazing. So any thoughts on, on that? Do you think that still matters today? Well, just since you brought that up, you don't want to be doing link exchanges or paid links. Don't. That's a bad thing. Uh, Google does not like that and it will penalize your site. So don't do that. Uh, Google likes to say that you need to earn that link. So Google does like it if other people link to your stuff because um, they, if someone links to you naturally, you know, without it being a paid situation, Google takes it as a sign as like that's quality content. So the better qua- uh, content you put out there and the more helpful content and thorough content, not necessarily, you know, 6,000 to 10,000 words, <laughs> but um, you, you should like sort of naturally earn those links. Um, and it could even be that someone who's in your social circles, you know, reads it and, um, you know, cause you shared it on like LinkedIn, like Chris now might find something to do with Ian because, you know, of this whole connection that happens because there's still that whole, you know, connecting through social media and building those relationships in other ways. Um, that, that whole like trust factor that, that Ian referenced. So the, the general belief is the better quality content, the higher quality that when people find it and they see the quality there, they will want to link back to it because they'll consider it a good resource. So it is, it's always great to get those link backs, but you want to actually earn those links and not do those paid link swaps. (laughs) Please, please, for all that is good in the world. I totally agree with you. Uh, Now, we're almost out of time, but uh, Katie's posted a question here that's that's got me all nostalgic again. Because the thing is, like, we can... Uh, so like if, if I go to your YouTube channel Liz and I really love your content I can I can subscribe if you have a podcast I can uh, well it's not called subscribe anymore I think it's called follow uh, but we and I can like your Facebook page but when it comes to your blog Katie is asking how do people become fans of your blog is there a way of them subscribing um, so like, what are your thoughts on on this Liz? I'm actually surprised over time how many people have eliminated that possibility from their sites. It's really unfortunate. Um, I don't know. I still have it. I actually just finally converted over to, to that feed over to MailChimp <laughs> because here, here's old school for you. FeedBurner, FeedBurner. Remember, you could have a FeedBurner signups that you could have the little widget in your footer or your sidebar where people could subscribe just to get new blog posts in, in your email. So um, if people do have a blog and they have an email subscription, you know, some kind of software, you can set it up just very loosely. I'm just saying this, you can set it up so that people can subscribe um, or choose to subscribe to new blog posts. I know some people will use some kind of RSS reader if they do read a lot of, um, you know, news from a lot of news sources. I don't personally use that. So I don't really have names um, 
to recommend for that. But it's basically every blog has a feed and you need to get uh, get that feed subscription and then you would be notified of new blog posts for the people who, uh, the blogs you want to follow. Yeah, I totally agree. I, so I think email is probably the, the easiest way to do it. But most people, well, well everyone really knows how to use email. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. probably the easiest way. Uh, and you, you're right, Liz, you know, every every blog has this feed. It's called an RSS feed. You probably don't even know it's there. And mm-hmm. people can subscribe to it. Uh, I I don't really use it anymore, but I feel bad. I, I use a, a, a tool called Feedly, which is kind of like when... Uh, uh, Google Reader kind of stopped working and it moved over mm-hmm. to Feedly. And so you can do that and you could subscribe to your blogs that way, all the blogs that you like. But probably I would just, like, like you say, Liz, is, is just offer a way for people to subscribe via email and do it that way. Well, we're out of time, Liz. Thank you so much. I, I've, I've just thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you, Liz. I just feel like... This why was we done- great. Thank you why? for having me. We covered a lot of good stuff. I know. <laughs> Wait, why haven't we done this like for... We need to do this more often. And and we we've relived our the old the OG days know, too. So it was I a know. nice like memory Aww, memory lane it, it's, walk. It's, <laughs> it's lovely. It is lovely. So uh if people want to find out more about you, Liz, uh you have your website, which is elirose.com. That's E-L-I-R-O-S-E dot com. Um so you can I mean it's all about helping small businesses grow online. The the blog is obviously amazing here. There's so much a great content here. And of course, um, if you want some help when it comes to content and social media and SEO, Liz does it all. And she, as you can tell, she is a, a true expert on this. And so definitely get in touch with Liz through elirose.com. Uh, but where else can people follow you? I, I, I assume you're across all, well, I know this. I don't know why I said, I assume you're <laughs> yes. across all the socials. So where do you prefer to hang out? Uh, well, personally, you know, it's it's just my name, Liz Jostis, but I have business accounts um, on Facebook, Instagram, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, which would be Eli Rose or Eli Rose Social Media, one of, you know, some version of that. So there's a search box in all of these places and you just search for Liz's name or Eli Rose and you'll find her there. And do say that you found her through Confident Live Marketing. Thank you, Liz. It's been awesome. It's been so much fun yes. uh, chatting to you today, chatting with you. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have to do it again. Thanks, Liz. Sounds great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> uh, it's been great. Well, thank you so much for plugging us into your ears if you're listening to the podcast. The podcast comes out every single Friday. If you go to iag.me forward slash podcast, you can find out all uh, about that and you can follow that. And of course, the, the the live show is usually every Tuesday and Thursday, although sometimes I have some time off. Uh, so you can find out we, we basically broadcast everywhere, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, and Twitter as well. Uh, so thank you so much for watching. I can see somebody on Facebook saying, great info, guys. Thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate that. Well, that's it for this week. And until next time, I encourage you to level up your impact, authority, and profits to the power of Confident Live Video. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Make sure you subscribe at iag.me forward slash podcast so you can continue to level up your impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo. toodaloo.